Ramos going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Fasher Final, welcome back. I'm Jason Jones from the Striker and MLSoccer.com. Joe Patrick, we're going to put it out of the game, is over there. We are back on, on your podcast feeds, whatever. No, let's do we even no, no like banter. Like we go right I feel like into you're it. Understated here, Sam. We're back on the we're back on the main feed, baby. Let's go. This is uh, I just say baby. Wow, that's really bad. Atlanta United season 2023 with no banter. Can we start over? No. 2023 <laughs> season. Atlanta United. Joe. J Sam. Back at it. Look, we're, we're going to do our best to catch you guys up here. We've been talking about Atlanta United for the entire offseason. Yeah, where you guys been? Com slash five stripe final. Uh, we at least hope you've been in the five stripe final discord. We, we learn more from the discord each and every day uh, about what's going on at Atlanta United, about things like, I don't know, like golden spatulas being shipped to people's houses and things like that. <laughs> the real the real critical things, you know, that you miss from our ivory tower up in the non glass plated press box. Um. I look well. Let's do a quick intro of ourselves for those of you that don't know, because we haven't been <laughs> in this stream for a long time, and people may have think we've morphed into to Sydney Tyler and and Tommy. Yeah, at this point. yeah, yeah. No um, Which they're doing we are great, five stripe final. It, 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 well, one, go listen to scarves, scarves and spikes. Uh, two, we are five stripe final. We've been doing <laughs> this like six years, uh, and uh, we've covered the team for a real damn long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I write for the striker, which Sam, is an independent Sam, soccer you, media you've site. been covering the team since the the MJD. Is that it? MJD days. Marietta Day was first. The first, yeah. the early days of Tata Martino. That's I have a I was thing the team. hanging up on my wall with some of like my first articles my parents got me as a graduation yeah, gift. I, I did not that. make this for myself, <laughs> uh, but it, the, the first one of the first articles I've read published was about the new training ground. The first day at the new training ground, I was there for that. Wow, I was there. I've been there, y'all. I've been there. Uh, look, I write for the Striker Independent Soccer News site that covers Atlanta United and a bunch of other teams. Go subscribe to that. I write for MLSsoccer.com. Joe is the managing editor of Jerry Saw Soccer and has been for a real damn long time now is that your like official title Since 2018 still? yeah 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 yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah technically it is as of now but who knows when mm-hmm. might change sure <laughs> uh, also covers the whole conversation. the game mm-hmm. that is a whole lot of stuff there as i'll well. be on the pregame That's show us. i'll be i'll be uh, doing the pregame show with andy bunker on 92.9 the game the pregame to the pregame that is the official pregame is done by mike condy and jason longshore of course mm-hmm. for the game on saturday but i'll be doing like the two-hour pregame show before that um from inside mercedes-benz stadium on 92.9 so check that out so when does it go on it's on like before like from i think five to seven for, okay, on sweet. saturday before the game yeah yeah so I get there a special credential to get in before uh, the rest of the press, before the rest of the minions. Us, it took us seven years to get special <laughs> credentials, and here we are, flying. Love it. Um, God, we, we have so much to get to from this offseason since we have been doing most of our stuff over on Patreon. We have not talked to you guys on this particular feed in probably four or five months at this point. <laughs> so let's catch you up. This is our big old season preview show. Uh, we, we could go real, real long on this, but that's okay. Because like we said, there's a whole lot to get to. And frankly, Joe, to frame everything, a, a whole lot to be optimistic about about heading into 
this 2023 season. I know folks are a little down after last year, the last three years, really. It's understandable. Totally understandable. But I think we can go through all of this today and say, you know what? I see the bright side in that, and I feel pretty good about everything you know that has to do with this team's future, with the way this team is being built out infrastructure-wise, with the way the roster is heading, with all that nice and juicy cap space about to open up in 2024. I feel really good. I feel really good. And if this isn't the year, I feel like this is the year before the year, at the very least, that Atlanta United really starts to get back into the MLS elite, if you will. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, Garth Lagerway, the new president, who we will talk about later in the show and catch everybody up on, uh, he was talking to a scrum. I think you were part of it, Sam. Uh, I think this was at uh, Yorgos Yakamakis, who we'll also talk about later in the show, uh, introductory press conference, and he was talking about how this kind of is like the Falcons season last year, where it's like that year where... It's going to be tough. You're taking a lot of pain in terms of the contracts and the money, the like kind of dead money, quote unquote, that is mm-hmm. on the roster. But after this year, it's like ripping the Band-Aid off. And after this year, you know, you'll have a kind of a clear path ahead to, to really build the roster. I would say the difference for Atlanta United this year, and I think one of the reasons why there's reason to be more optimistic or at least just hopeful about what the team can do this year compared to a team like the Falcons is that, you know, the league is so volatile because you have three players. Every team has three players on their roster up to three players who are designated players you can spend any amount of money uh, on and those players typically if they play well then you're going to be good and Atlanta United has three quality designated players that allows them to potentially be good did those three players play well last year not necessarily (laughs) right okay we, we, we saw glimpses. I mean, Tiago Amada played, got better over the course of the season and was legitimately one of the best playmakers in MLS by the end of the year. Luis Araujo, not so much. Mm. <laughs> but we know he's talented, mm. but not so much. And then we have Yorgos Yakamakas, <laughs> who we don't really know much about. We haven't seen him play, but I think there's reasons to be hopeful that he'll be very, very good for this team. We're going to cover all of those new additions, the old additions who have been here for a second and need to do a lot better this year. Uh, But first, I think we need to start with one particular thing. Joe Patrick Garth Lockaway is the new club president. This happened back all the way in November. We hope you saw this at the very least, even if you didn't (laughs) dive into all the content we put out about it. But we've kind of gotten to know Garth a little better over the last couple months. He is extremely transparent. Like extremely transparent to the point where you go, man, are you sure you should be be saying this right now? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he he still knows where to to draw the line, of course. Uh, But he is very down to earth, um, and has been it's been really enjoyable to to kind of work with him at the very start here, as he kind of gets Atlanta United back to a place where, you know, what the phrase they keep throwing around is startup mode. They want to get out of startup mode. Mm-hmm. It feels like the team was in startup mode yeah. over the last few years. And now that Loggerway is in, there's a whole lot of reasons to believe that he's going to bring Atlanta United out of that startup mode and into more of a, a club and a program, if you will, yeah. <laughs> that has the infrastructure to succeed. Can definitely, I mean, his remit is to establish consistency with this club. Consistency, obviously you know, at the top of MLS or near there. Um, you know, and he's got the pedigree to do so. He comes from the Seattle Sounders who basically make the playoffs every single year, have a chance to win MLS cup pretty much every single year. And that's in large part down to the, the way that 
Garth Lagerway managed that club and made signings and just, you know, structured the club both on the playing roster and beyond in the front office and the scouting department in a way that allowed for those results to be consistent over time. So I think that that's what we are looking forward to at Atlanta United. And then on the on the kind of personality parties, he's uh, he's a charismatic guy in a very, very different way than Darren Eels was. Darren Eels mm-hmm. was very much like, you know, a salesman who's like, you know, you couldn't help but kind of like feel uplifted around him and stuff but like garth is very down to earth very kind of like a you know a joe's joe um so to speak i was talking to actually mike bill from 929 the game who you know he got to sit down with garth for a while when he when garth went on uh dukes and bell on their radio show when they were broadcasting live from the training ground he said the same thing he's like a guy that you would want to have a beer with you know who just like sit down and he doesn't he's not very like he doesn't carry himself like he's some high-ranking executive, which I think Darren Eels kind of enjoyed carrying himself like that. Garth is just very cool, and um, i am really been enjoying his tenure so far. Garth Lockerway, polling well in swing states. <laughs> yeah, love to get right, love to have a, the beer poll. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, let's go back real quick and just kind of review why we're excited about this and why this move, frankly, I mean, I've described it before as this. It was a coup to get him away from Seattle. There were some certain circumstances that that kind of made it more palatable for him, and and we'll get to those in a second. But we can kind of start just kind of going back to to some of his history right quick. He was an MLS player at one point as much as one kind of That's actually hilarious to think about. Yeah. Yeah, he was a goalkeeper. He was the lowest draft pick to ever play in MLS. Wow. That is still true to this day. It will always be true because he was drafted in the very first MLS draft. Uh, we're talking about like pick 190 or something <laughs> because all the teams had to make selections, like, right? Let's do seven rounds. Rosters. Oh, that's right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so of the picks that actually saw playing time, he is the lowest to have ever actually seen the field. Uh, his MLS career last too long. He goes, gets his uh, law degree uh, up in Washington at Georgetown, I believe. Uh, gets on at a law firm called uh, Latham. Uh, if you are in law, you're going to be well aware of Latham. If you're not huge, massive global corporation with like 18 different offices and seven countries, all huge. Hmm. If there's been like, like a significant lawsuit in the past, like 20 years, Latham has probably touched it. Interesting. In some ways. It's I didn't know that. Big ass law firm. Anyway, he uh, works at this law firm for a little bit. Does pretty well there from my understanding. I talked to his former boss uh, for a piece I did on the striker to get a sense of what he was doing there and why he even wanted to be a lawyer in the first place. And the indication I got was that Garth was always trying to get back to what uh, this particular person called soccer land, right? Like the idea was always to use the law degree to get back to soccer land. So Garth 36 uh, has been doing some broadcasting on the side for DC United in new England gets an offer from real salt Lake uh, to be their general manager. He gets to know the owner of all salt Lake through a, uh, certain kind of merger a sale that the owner of the team was trying to do at the time uh, of the St. Louis blues hockey team through the using, there. using Latham. Yes, exactly. Using Latham. So Garth kind of got to be involved with that. Okay. Uh, as a sports adjacent Garth's like, let me be a part of that. Cause that's what I want to do. Right. Um, through that, he gets interviewed for this GM position, gets the GM job at y'all salt Lake as the youngest GM in MLS history. And then turns Real got dang Salt Lake into a juggernaut? Yeah, yeah. That's like when I first started like 
not following MLS, but when I kind of MLS first came on my radar ever, Real Salt Lake was like a dominant force, and that was the team mm-hmm. that Garth Lagerway built. A spindula, mm-hmm. and there was some other striker. There was like a, they had a striker pairing. They ran like a four four two diamond. No, I mean Kyle Beckerman was at the base of that diamond. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jason Kreese was the coach. Uh, good times. Yep, Jason yeah. Kreese. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, they they win MLS Cup two thousand nine. Uh, they made the CCL final in 2011, where you all Salt Lake. Uh, and then they made another MLS Cup in 2013, lost to SKC on penalties. That's probably the first MLS game I remember watching, actually. <laughs> um, so, look, he does incredibly well at Real Salt Lake. They've never even come close to matching that success. Since then, in 2015, he goes to Seattle. And you guys should be well aware uh, of what happened. At that point, uh, 2015, he's a part of the group that makes the change to, or 2016 rather, he's part of the group that makes the change to, to Brian Schmetzer. Uh, midway through 2016, they fire Siggy uh, Schmid, and Seattle wins MLS Cup. You should be well aware of the rest of it through that, uh, up to now, right? Uh, so, why is he here? Well... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a promotion. Technically it's a promotion. He was just the GM at Seattle. Uh, he still had people above him in some cases, right? Like, uh, the owner, Adrian Hanauer is a former GM as well. Uh, had some say in how things were running. Uh, he did not have control of the business side like he does here in Atlanta. And you know, this, this is a guy who always seems to be looking to move upward and take on new challenges and, and see how he progresses through adversity. He was about this. He was about this, and it made sense for him to to come to Atlanta and not only take over the soccer side, but the business side as well. What's exciting about that in particular is that as much resources as Seattle has, there's still probably a tier below Atlanta when it comes to the resources available uh, financially, infrastructure-wise, everything like that. There's still probably a tier behind because Atlanta's at the very top tier. So you think about all the success Seattle has had. Now you plug in Seattle with money, an unlimited just reserve, gold fountain just shooting gold coins up in the air so you can dive into (laughs) it like Scrooge McDuck. You're probably talking about building something really big. This was the single biggest move of the offseason for any team. And frankly, it might shape the league for years, maybe a couple of decades. Yeah, and we're we're already seeing the fruits of the the resources available to him when we talk about some of these players who are actually on the outs the the some of the contracts that they've been able to get rid of that's only really mm-hmm. possible because the ownership above him has been willing to basically take the cut you know take the blows take mm-hmm. the financial blows um for you know voiding the contract or eating the contract of a player like Joseph Martinez um these are things that a lot of clubs would not have the luxury to do but because the you know ownership AMBSE you know has uh Garth Lagerway is able to do a lot of the things and do them a lot quicker than he might be able to otherwise so mm-hmm. it's very encouraging it's very exciting and again while you know a lot of this season's going to be about kind of repairing some of the damage that's been done over the last few years it all goes towards this larger goal which is obviously to get this team back up the top of that MLS mountain which is really exciting yeah let's talk real quick about just utilization of resources in MLS right because we can mention that all we want but we kind of do have to to clarify it a little bit obviously there's the top 
of the roster, right? It's the three DPs, the guys who you can spend unlimited amounts of money on, and it doesn't count against your cap hit in any significant way, right? Uh, that's where you see some teams take really, really big swings, like bringing Lorenzo Insigne for $15 million a year like Toronto did, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, other teams are doing that. Other teams can do that. Other teams can bring in three DPs at this point. This is not 2015, you know, where having even two DPs might be a complete game changer, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, so in a salary cap league, uh, where are you going to find your advantages if you can't find them uh, in the middle of the roster, at the bottom of the roster? Because everyone else kind of has the same top of the roster to some extent, you know? Uh, you have to find it in your infrastructure. You have to find it in what Garth termed soft infrastructure, yesterday your scouting your analytics uh your player development right uh, teams that have been very successful at that uh, in particular philadelphia comes to mind philadelphia has made one of the best 11s in the league through successful scouting through a great analytics department and of course the the chester midfielder laboratory where they keep cranking out errands <laughs> every other week right yeah so that's the idea right to, yeah. to revamp everything because last year at Lane united uh obviously I think you can tell the scouting mistakes. I don't think we really need to necessarily explain that. The team hasn't hit on a lot of guys. The team hasn't put together a lot of pieces that fit. Uh, I think you probably know at this point about some of our concerns about the analytics department uh, just being one person. That's already changing. Uh, I can tell you that the team is going to hire a data engineer uh, probably by the end of the month to kind of help with the analytics department. So at least you have a two-man analytics department right now. And on top of that, you're adding in an analytics consultants firm uh, that just started, and, and this should be announced soon. It's called Source Football. I can't imagine this wouldn't go through, but it hasn't gone through officially yet. Uh, it's run by Ravi Ramaneni, who was Garth's analytics guy at Seattle. Uh, Garth really kind of handed him the reins, said, okay, build out this analytics department. And by the end of Garth's time and Ravi's time, in Seattle, Ravi was managing the entire salary budget for Seattle. It had a huge influence on what they did. And a lot of their success comes down to, to his process and his analytics process. Um, so Source Football will be helping out. Uh, that's going to be huge, especially and, for... And doesn't Ravi, doesn't Ravi have uh, experience with Arsenal or his Source so Football Ravi, does? Uh, Source Football does. Uh, Ravi is married to Sarah Rudd, who is an analytics legend in her own right. Uh Probably more so than Ravi. Uh, Sarah uh, ran Arsenal's analytics department and started it up way back in like 2013 through an agency called Blue Crow. Mm. Uh, So this is like they're bringing in some big boys to guide Atlanta United through this growth process as they kind of develop this soft infrastructure. Garth mentioned yesterday to me that they had reworked their scouting process a little bit and they believe that's getting to a good place. Uh, they're working on their development uh, process. Uh, Matt Lawry is the head of the Atlanta United Academy. That's his official title, but he's mainly in charge of player development. Talked to him the other day. He is outstanding. He's awesome. Yeah, I was yeah. super impressed by him. Uh, just a really, really bright and thoughtful guy, especially when it comes to developing young players. So yeah. this soft infrastructure is being built out in a huge way. Yeah, I, I remember talking to uh, Steve Cannon, uh, CEO. I don't know what his title might be. I think they changed some of these things around uh, mm-hmm. last fall, this fall, um, or they run in the new year. Um, 
But uh, talk talk to him at Garth's introductory press conference that they did in November, and you know something that I thought that he he said that stuck out to me was, um, you know, Garth they want Garth to find you know like what levers are there to pull that can make the biggest differences. Like he called the, uh, Steve Cannon called them multipliers. Like what kind of mm. and the analytics department like beefing that up, rounding it out, getting that in tip top shape. That's one of those like multipliers that can just like you know you can just devote your resources there and it's going to provide, you know, value on the other end of that to, you know, you know, an and the nth degree uh, on the roster that's going to help this team actually between the lines. So it's not necessarily all about, you know, signing this player or that player for a certain amount of money. It's like how can you spend the money on that quote unquote soft in- infrastructure to then provide you with the value that you want to see on the field. And that's what's really exciting. And I feel like to me uh from um, from my perspective, I feel like that's like really rewarding as a, you know, I'm just trying to like, you know, from a fan's mindset, like that's where you want it to be as opposed to like in the past under the Darren Eels regime, you know, Darren, there were a lot of successes that he had in launching the club and getting it going. You talked about like kind of the mm-hmm. startup mode, but then there was a lot of these projects that he was involved with that was like, you know, this Aberdeen link um, and like these, you know, kind of like fringy kinds of projects that didn't really seem to have tangible effects for the club and the and just like you know the roster like how good the team is going to be where I feel like Garth seems to be much more focused and maybe it's just because he comes into a situation where his goal needs to immediately be to try to get this roster much improved from where it is Uh, but it's really kind of uh, energizing and rewarding to see all of this um all of this work kind of going into setting up the club for success on the field first and prioritizing that. Now, some of you may notice and probably have the question if you haven't been keeping up. Okay. This guy's this like great GM. He's got like an Alex Anthopoulos reputation to make an Atlanta comp. Yeah. So like is Carlos Bocanegra still there? Answer is yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> the answer is Carlos Bocanegra is still there and he is still technically the general manager. Garth is the club president. What has kind of changed, I think, in the dynamic, just from afar, I don't know this for sure, right? Yeah. but my assessment from afar is that uh, Darren was hands off to the point where he didn't really have maybe clear knowledge of exactly what was going on with these moves. Uh, I think Garth is definitely maybe a bit more aware of what's happening step by step and aware of the process. Uh going on that that needs to make these moves happen and then of course being the final say on signing off on these you mentioned that to sign Yorgos wow the first one of the year (laughs) Yorgos Yakimakis that you know he was only going to sign off it off on it if they could uh, make sure the money made sense for next year Mm -hmm. you know and he kind of mentioned these kind of edicts that he had uh, to make sure that signing fit and that's kind of his role he's notably been hands-off throughout his entire career and, you know, it, Bocanegra, I think, with the right setup can be that successful, we've joked about in the past, that successful recruiting coordinator, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. to use a very SEC term. Do, do the in-home. For, People love to see it, Carlos Bocanegra in a suit. Exactly. It, I mean, you joke, but he <laughs> made the trip to Glasgow to get Yorgos Yakamakis, who we're going to talk about in a second. And that's what swayed Yorgos to come to Atlanta United over the team in Japan that was chasing after. Uh-huh. Yeah, he said the you other know, clubs and, don't and, do that. And, if, and that goes mm-hmm. and points to, you know, again, the resources that the ownership has to just, you know, 
fly <laughs> over to Scotland for a for a one day two day trip just to meet with a player like that stuff makes a difference to the players that you're recruiting. So things are getting set up in a way that makes sense, and the processes are getting more efficient. And there's a whole bunch of business business buzzwords I could just throw at you about all this, <laughs> but just know that those successful things are happening behind the scenes, and if they are interesting to you. They're still really critical to what's happening, especially yep. in the salary cap league. Yeah. So be excited about that. Be excited about the future of the team. And yes, Joey, what we'd like to add. Well, I was gonna say, and Garth must have been like, you know, <laughs> he was kind of thrown in the fire where like he immediately has to get rid of one of the teams, like, you know, most his historic and like most loved players mm-hmm. of all time and Joseph Martinez, you know, just a little a little hurdle you gotta jump over as your first big duty is in in the new job. Well, he did the same thing in Seattle. It's pretty did he really? interesting to kind of have was, him be in that same scenario where, I mean, I think uh, Obafemi, Obafemi uh, Martins, Martins. Yeah, yeah. headed out at some point. Uh, Dempsey headed out at some point. I want to say Tom, Ma- Chad Marshall, Chad Marshall, Jesus Christ, uh, I got there eventually. Uh, there were a lot of changes going on. Of course, mm. Siggy as well yeah, um, yeah. going away. He had to make a lot of really critical decisions at the beginning, and he did that, and clearly it worked out. Yeah. for Seattle. So hopefully things can happen in a similar way here. But Joe, you mentioned it. Joseph Martinez is no longer with Atlanta United. I'm sure you, if you didn't see the Garth thing, you saw this <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> Joseph Martinez heads to enter Miami. It was through a trade that wasn't a trade because MLS said it couldn't be a trade, which was super weird and dog kind of got odd and messy for some reason but eventually it worked out to where Atlanta United exercises their one-time buyout on Joseph Martinez and our Miami picks him up and covers a portion of that buyout Joseph Martinez is no longer a DP uh, he is a TAM player at Inter Miami and no longer plays for Atlanta United it's super weird it is weird, but I think that, you know, sometimes you need, well, it, 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 I don't know about you, Sam, but I, I feel like it became evident at some point last season that Joseph's presence on the team was kind of holding them back to an extent of like discovering their true self. Like, like, <laughs> seriously, like they, 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 it felt at some point like they were never going to really legitimately start making progress on this kind of new era of Atlanta United until he was gone. And part of that is down to the fact that he was occupying a designated player spot and the, you know, the, the, um, what he was providing on the field did not equate to, you know, filling that designated player spot. Um, but also, you know, when you get down to an incident that happened toward the end of the season, like where he kind of, you know, uh, reportedly uh, flipped over like the the post game meal table and like kind of went off. Um, those are the kinds of things that kind of felt like it was uh, untenable uh, for him to remain as a part of this team. And I honestly think it's going to be one of those situations where Atlanta United's going to be better off for it. And I think that Joseph Martinez will be better off for it as well in his own career. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to Miami and do well, probably accepts a, a role that's a bit, a little bit lesser, but he'll probably be, um, you know, just in a, in a better spot mentally at, at the very least. But I think he will provide goals for them. We'll see. <laughs> I'm well, less we'll confident. See, but we'll see that. about what you'll, you, about Joseph having a decent about season. Joseph. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I, have 
sincere doubts about that. And Phil Neville has already said that like he needs three or four more weeks before he gets fit. Oh, all that kind yeah, of thing. Well, uh, we are uh, that's, three days away see, from, from f- regular Phil Neville will hold him to account on a fitness program as to where I feel like he wasn't in Atlanta. I feel like he felt like he had kind of free reign to kind of um, sure. do his own thing here. He felt like he, you know, he was referred to as the king by the fans and everything. And I think to an extent he kind of felt that way. And it was... Uh, it was a bit of a malady for the team to have a player who feels like he's in kind of a different landscape than everybody else. Right. And we aren't trying to like bag on volatile and passionate players, you know, not at all. I think, it, I think Yakamakis is going to be a lot similar in that respect. A very similar person. Right. And we're pretty excited about it. We'll talk about more uh, in a second, but you know, when, you can be passionate and volatile and everything like that, but it has to manifest in what you do day to day. And I think it was at the beginning of Joseph's career when he would come and like every single drill was life and death and mm-hmm. it would be maybe too intense for some folks at times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if he's screaming at you in a drill, you're like, oh, shit, what is happening? We are playing like a Rondo right now, <laughs> you know. Um, so that's when it was positive, when it manifested in a negative way with him. Maybe not doing the little things at training. Maybe not uh, going all out in drills. Maybe not like eating food with the team at times. Maybe just leaving early. Things like that. You know, it started to be, like you said, Joe, it started to be a hindrance. And that's where we kind of say, well, okay, this is something that if you take this out of the environment and and change things up and and use it as a way to refresh things, uh, now that it's gone, then you're probably better off for it. That being said, you're not going to place Joseph Martinez like we're not trying to, you know, no one is trying to, no one's going to be able to, mm-hmm. we're not trying to bash the guy or anything like that. It just became evident that on the field and off the field, he was making the team worse at the very end here. Yeah. And and that's maybe not his fault considering all the injuries. I understand, you know? I understand where his frustrations came from. And it, I think it's totally understandable to see why his career, especially when you, take into account the the injury and the setbacks that his injury caused he had multiple like we're talking four or five different mm-hmm. surgeries on that knee after infections set in why he would you know lose his spirit a little bit and kind of change how he was and I think it was in response to one of the questions that you asked him Sam in 2021 the year where he first made his return where he got emotional talking about how he kind of felt like he was going to retire at some point like he wasn't even going to come back because he was so down so um, yeah that that's you know you can understand that but at the same time um, you know, I just think that this was a move that it, it, it again just you could see it last season it just had to be made you could see that this kind of divorce had to had to happen at some point and it's going to be a big test for the club to see how they can carry on without Joseph because they've been so reliant on him over the years as being the face of this club as kind of being the brand and they sent out little you know statues of him even I've got one around here at some point but like they put everything into Joseph and in building the club around him and it paid off at the very at the beginning obviously and now can they sustain themselves without Joseph? I mean, obviously, I think they will, but it'll, you know, we'll see exactly how that plays out over the course of the season and beyond when it comes to, you know, the fans coming through the turnstiles and, and you know, still bringing the same kind of energy to Mercedes-Benz Stadium that Atlanta United was, 
you know, once known for and, and still known for. Actually, I would give the fans mm-hmm. a lot of credit for continuing to show up. Obviously, some games it's it's not as big, but I would say even down the end of last year when this team was kind of in the doldrums, it was still like I remember looking at you. and We would kind of mention it in the press box like it was still pretty impressive just how many fans were coming out to see this team play. So I think that they will still be there for this club. I mean, like they had almost a full house for that NYCFC game. They yeah. meant absolutely nothing yeah. on decision day. Uh, there were like 25,000 people at the Amfam cup the other night. That was pointless too. <laughs> the people just show up. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. And you know, they deserve better. Joe Patrick, you talked about the divorce and what do you do when you get a divorce? That's right. You split up the Beanie Babies. And one of the Beanie Babies that Atlanta United got out of that divorce was an open DP spot. They use that open DP spot on Yurgos Yakamakis. Comes from Celtic. He's a Greek national striker, but has had some pretty significant success over the last few years. Uh, was with Venlo in the Dutch Eredivisie. He was with uh, Venlo. Yeah, three Bs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Got the golden boot there. Uh, scored like 26, 27 times. Uh, came to Celtic. Won the golden boot there. It was only like 13 goals. Still won the golden boot in the Scottish Premiership. And this year, just lost his starting job to a dude that got really, really, really hot. He's kind of setting records over there, I think, for Celtic right now. And that's just kind of the way it goes sometimes. So he's looking for a new place to call home. Atlanta gets into a bidding more that seemed to kind of drag out a little bit there with a couple different teams, most notably uh, Urawa Red Diamonds of the J-League. And Atlanta United wins out in the end. Part of that because, like we said, Carl Speckner goes to visit him. You know, makes him feel valued. Uh, the recruiting pitch was solid, and obviously they're going to give him a big chunk of money. He's a designated player. And, Joe, we, of course, have met him. We, we met him the other day. We still don't know if he's going to be available Saturday because of visa paperwork, but we met him the other day. And you immediately said to me, reminds me a lot of Joseph. He does. He does. I mean, he he does. What really struck me, obviously, and I think that this struck a lot of people, was just the attitude that he had in the press conference. And it's not like it was like a you know, bad attitude or anything, but it was just a very confident guy. Like, so he wears number seven. That's that's his number. Obviously, that was Joseph Martinez's number. And he says, I want number seven. And, you know, he was asked about, you like, well, do you feel pressure? Isn't that like additional pressure that you feel like taking on that number? He's like, yeah. I, yeah, it's additional pressure. I like to feel the pressure. And so that to me is a great sign that you're getting a player who's not coming into MLS like thinking he's going to just like dominate the league. And it's not he's not a player who's coming in just for a paycheck. I think he feels like he needs to perform for that number. And uh, he I think he it's already despite the fact that he hasn't even played yet. I think that it, he understands like just how you know, passionate people were towards Joseph and he's willing to take that on. And, you know, he just said so many things in that press conference that you kind of want out of a, out of a cocky striker, (laughs) things that you would think that, you know, Joseph Martinez would say. And then, you know, we also talked to him just one-on-one in a little scrum and he's like, he's a nice guy. Like, you know, he's not like he's like some total jerk here. Uh, Like he'll like calm down in that kind of setting. But I thought it was interesting. Like it seemed like he had, something a little bit extra like when he was sitting at that mm-hmm. press conference table when he knew like the cameras were on and like that you know he was being broadcast like like he he was kind of putting it on and i think that that's kind of exactly what you want to see out of a out of a striker a big time striker that you expect to score a lot of goals for you if you don't know my name 
you will once you repeat it after I've scored all these goals. That's right. Oh my gosh. Incredible way to start your time here <laughs> in Atlanta. It's Yakimakis, by the way. Just to, I've been going around my house saying it. Yakimakis. Yakimakis. Um, he says Yako. Um, Yako Gigi. works. Gigi works. He, so yeah. A couple of folks called him Geo, which didn't make any sense phonetically he, he to me. He said he was like, "You can call me Geo." I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay, that." I mean, it's it'd be Geo, but whatever. Um, look, let's talk real quick uh, before we kind of get into our conversation with him about the kind of profile of player he is, and I think maybe some people are going to see, okay, he's the new DP striker. If he's not scoring twenty plus goals, we're going to be in trouble, and that's not quite the case with this signing. This is more about finding a piece that can fit within the framework of the team, can fit within the attack. And frankly, Atlanta and I just struggled to find those pieces over the past few years. It's been, as the Five Shot Final Discord would would frame it, they've all been dribbly boys, mm-hmm. you know? And that's why you have folks like Marcelino Moreno and Tiago Almada overlapping and what they do and where they do it and causing a lot of disjointedness within the attack. Yakamakis, along with Iruju, along with Almada, and along with Derek Getian Jr., who we'll talk about in a few minutes, seems to fit within the framework extremely well in the sense that he does not need the ball to be successful. He makes off ball runs. He drags defenders. He makes a lot of double moves within the 18 yard box. He's going to attack both posts. He has tremendous body control so he can finish from weird angles. He finishes with one touch finishes a lot because he's able to angle his body so well and get into positions where he can get shots on frame from tough angles very quickly. He is athletic. He can link up. He can do all these things that not only cause chaos, but make everyone else around you better. And that's been the read I've gotten on him from just folks I've talked to, from listening to other folks talk about him, from reading about him, and from just watching his highlights yeah. that, again, look very Josephy. Yeah, and and that's the thing that, you know, when you talk about, like, kind of disorganizing back lines, like, that's... That's really what the team has been lacking from Joseph Martinez really since his injury. Like he's just like we we know he can still score a great goal here. Um, you know, he had like a great overhead kick. I think it was against New England. Um, obviously, he's still capable of that stuff. But for the vast majority of a soccer game, your striker is not on the ball. He's got to be doing other things that can potentially open up attacking avenues for other players around him. And I think that if you get a striker like Yakamakas, who we think is going to be able to do these things, then you're going to see a lot more production out of a guy like Luis Araujo, who felt like he was mm. dribbling into a cul-de-sac every time last year because the striker, whoever it was playing up top, was not really disturbing or disorganizing the opponent's back line. So that's what's really exciting about this striker for me. I keep on telling people, I know I've told you this, Sam, on some of our previous episodes on the Patreon, but just for the, the listeners here, like I think people are going to be very surprised at just how much better the level of play is at striker this year, assuming Yako's able to stay healthy than what they've had, than what Atlanta United's had, not just last year and not just the year before, really since 2019. Like Joseph Martinez, ever since he got hurt that first game of the season in 2020, since then, there's never been consistent play or even high level play or, dare I say, even like kind of average play at the striker position at all. Uh, for this team. So now you're getting a player who's actually about two years younger than Joseph. I know a lot of people like like to consider Joseph a young player because he was signed initially on a young DP contract, but that was 
like seven years ago. It's <laughs> a long time ago. Um, you're getting a younger striker who's got a proven goal scoring track record. Again, very kind of similar to Joseph, the, the profile that Joseph was a little bit older than than Joseph was when he initially came in. And obviously, I'm not saying that they're like the same type of player in terms of the physical attributes and whatnot. But I think that just overall, there's going to be such a much higher level of play than I think a lot of people are anticipating. I think, frankly, the fact that his name is hard to pronounce and he kind of come, you know, not many. No one's really seen him play regularly except for Jared Smith watching all the Celtic games. Um, <laughs> nobody really knows anything about him. So I think that people are kind of expecting like okay well i hope he's going to be good i think he's going to be good but um i think people are going to be really surprised at just how much more effective he makes this atlanta united attack exactly if he's like 15 goals five assists on the year and everyone else around him has similar numbers i think everything is going extremely well for Atlanta United. he doesn't have to be the guy scoring 30 goals a year like mm-hmm. joseph did it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be you know for this team to be really really good and for gonzalo Pineda's game model to work really well, which is important to note real quick, just because coming from Celtic and coming from that league that Jarrett Smith watches for some reason, <laughs> you're going to face a lot of low blocks if you're Celtic because you're so far advanced compared to every team but Rangers. You're going to face teams bunkered in. You're going to face teams that compared are... Compared to Hearts of Midlothian. Yeah. <laughs> if you're playing like Hearts or something, yes. Or... I don't know. Who else is in that league? St. Johnstone? Aberdeen. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, when you talk about Gonzalo Pineda's game model and you look at a team that was constantly pinning teams back last year but not getting a lot of end product out of it, you have a player who knows how to be successful within that particular game model, that framework, and against teams that are bunkered in. And, and that will be beneficial as well. Uh, I think everything about this makes sense. It really does, and it's encouraging to see a signing that, for once, seems to make a whole lot of sense on paper for Atlanta United. It feels like we haven't had a lot of those lately. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. So we we've talked to Yurgos. We, we did. Yurgos. We've seen Yurgos in person again. His visa paperwork not officially through yet. Uh, we probably won't see him on Saturday, but we should see him soon. Uh, before then, we want to let y'all get a chance to know Yurgos Yakamakis. When, when, were, when were you first approached by Elena? When did you find out that this was going to be a possibility for you? He was uh, on December. They just showed the readers. There was some, you know, the kind of, uh, they don't have an MLS. They couldn't uh, buy me straight away. It had to be loan with obligation and it wasn't easy. Um, it wasn't um, easy to achieve because of Celtic. They wanted a, a transfer or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, they made it. They they found a place with the salary coming all that stuff. I, I cannot explain to you. I don't yeah, know no, it yet. No. I would, yeah. <laughs> right. We don't so it's not my job. I don't know that yet. It's totally different for me. Uh, they find it. They, they find a way out. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy that I'm here. Was this preferable for you over, I know there was like a Japanese club that seemed to be interested? Um, you know, it, it came out only the Japanese club, but it was also some clubs from Italy and Spain. Oh, that, yeah. uh, but still, uh, yeah, it was only Atlanta for me since the uh, very first moment. It, 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 would, uh, you know, it would sound like really flattering for the club, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Carlos knows it very well that uh, I was waiting for Atlanta. And I, that, at the point that uh, we, we, I thought we, we, we wouldn't make it, I was really frustrated. Um, because they really wanted, I really wanted, and because of the rules, we couldn't make it. Um, but in the end, they, they came back, and uh, I'm really happy. I, I couldn't believe that this time they would make it, and uh, I was really happy. Celtic- 
Celtic fans seemed disappointed to lose you. Um, was it just a matter of playing time as the reason for kind of wanting to? Yeah. Um, they will always be. They will always be in my heart. They since the, um, the first games that I was scoring goals in uh, in Celtic, they showed me how much they love me, how much they appreciate me, and um, I was a big. Uh, um, I was a, I was a big um, how we had a, like uh, I was scoring goals for them and it was really important for them. Yeah. And they they wanted someone to scoring with is and uh, it wasn't so so easy to find it the last year. So um, I did well. I achieved many things with Celtic. It was a matter of uh, playing time. Uh, it was about that. It was also some things that I felt that. Uh, they didn't appreciate me a lot, the staff and, uh, you know, especially the board. And, uh, yeah, I felt that I had to go, I had to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really happy that I'm here because they showed me the, from the first moment that I'm really important. Uh, they really want me and I uh, will be a key player in, in this club. You, you had a massive season at VV Venlo. Um, I think it was the year the year before you left there. Yeah. What was went so right for you? That year, everything, <laughs> uh, everything individually, like uh, but collective, collectively, you know, it was it was a very weird season. I was scoring three goals, we were sitting four, so I was <laughs> having a hat tricks, but we were losing. It right. didn't make sense. It, in the end, we relegated. Right. I was end up, I end up, so I ended up top scorer and uh, we relegated. And uh, in the end of the season, you know, you have scored like 30 goals in the season, and you're not happy. <laughs> you get relegated, so. It was such a weird feeling for me, uh, but individually I would say that uh, they helped me a lot. It was uh, uh, the, the best restart in my career that I would ever have, and um, I'm really grateful to Sotofebe. You got anything? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep going. I didn't want to like summon it. Um, just in uh, talking to Gonzalo, the, the coach here, um, what are your just general thoughts on him meeting him yeah first of all um, we had a video call before I uh, even signed for the club and uh, he showed me how much he wants me he showed me he explained to me more or less what would be my my, my role in the club uh, he's a very nice guy uh, he treated me so good so far and uh, I, I like also the play style he has it was one of the reasons I, I wanted to, to join Atlada and uh, of course I, I'm, I'm still uh, keep learning about uh, my, my relationship, keep trying to, to improve my relationship with everyone to, to grow up. Um, and, uh, you know, as the time, the time uh, passes, and uh, I can tell exactly how how they are going to work, how is going to be the plan exactly on me. And, uh, yeah, I'm really positive for that. I'm looking forward. How did he describe your role within the club? Yeah, as a key player, uh, he wants me to, of course, to score goals. Um, that's my main job, to be honest, scoring goals. And I'm really happy because I think that the plan we have is going to help me a lot. Uh, it suits to me a lot. And uh, I think uh, if we stay healthy, because as I said before, they had some massive injuries last year. And... Uh, it wasn't that easy, uh, but if we stay healthy, we can uh, we can uh, do some great things. Yeah, I was like, did you actually watch the entire season? Because I felt like it was torture. At times. No, I was but watching actually the highlights of yeah. every game. I watched everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't watch all the games. I didn't. I couldn't find the games, but I I, I felt I I watched all the all the games, all the highlights for every single game. Uh, it was a strange season. I can I can tell it was a strange season because. They 
they, I felt that the quality didn't show to the results and uh, sometimes the, the performances. Uh, but I know for sure that we can do great things together and um, even if you see we have many young players, talented players and I think Thiago is going to be even more improved and uh, we know his qualities. Luis, I think the same and uh, I hope I can help them more and uh, they can score even more than last year. What are your thoughts just being here, um, seeing actually you know everything here in person, the facility, all that? Yeah, okay, first of all, when I had the, the offer, or even before the offer, just the interest, when they called me, uh, they, when they called my agent, I said, okay, let's make like, my, my, my research on, uh, on the training facilities, the stadium, and then I remember myself, like, I saw the facility, so, wow, what is it? That's amazing. And then I made my research also in the stadium. I remember I called my agent, I said, I don't know what to do, just make it happen. <laughs> that, was, that was it. That was it. You feel, you feel like a professional player, football yeah. player, and uh, it's something that... It's not you have to take it for granted in, in Europe. Most of the countries don't invest in uh, the organization and the training facilities and all that kind of stuff. But I think that kind of stuff uh, make the club uh, bigger and uh, make the, tar the targets uh, more achievable. To, to go back to your age, um, do you see yourself like stepping into this club as like a leader? Because you are now. I mean, even at 20, 28, you just turned 28. Like already one of the elder players. Obviously, you've got experience in the Champions League. I know you were asked that in the press conference. But do you see yourself like stepping into this role as kind of one of the the main drivers of this team in the locker room, especially? You know, sometimes in uh, sometime in your career, you 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 got this experience uh, season by season, and in the end, you have to be the the player that. Will push the other players. I used to be in the age of, of Thiago that I had to, I, I had the talent but I didn't have the experience right. so I needed someone, you know, you, you needed in, a, in order to have a good result and a good chemistry you need some very quality young players and you need also some uh, experienced players to complete the group and uh, help them sometimes pushing themselves and uh, showing them uh, more or less mentally what to do, what, how to react in some difficult uh, situations. Uh, I think uh, experience doesn't matter in uh, mostly in the in the good uh, in the good periods, but when the bad periods is coming, then I think the experience helps a lot how to to manage and uh, get through these situations. And I think it's something that uh, I got this. I didn't have it before, but now I have this. Have you trained with the team yet? Uh, no, I didn't have the chance because of uh, visa and all that stuff. Okay. Uh, I had some individual trainings, of course, and tomorrow I will have my first training with the, with the club. Okay. With the, Watching videos of you, you can score with your right foot, your left foot, or your head. Is that accurate? Nothing. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing left. I think. <laughs> That's all, yeah. But you're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. You know, some people. Are you know, I'm doing. No, no, no. I'm doing a lot of finishing in my every training. After every training, I'm staying a lot for some finishing because, of course, you, as I said, I try to improve myself. I, didn't, I wasn't that good with my left foot, but now if it comes to my left foot, I will never have second thoughts to put it on the right and then finish. If you have second thoughts, you lost the goal. So right now I try to, to score in every possible way, overhead kick, uh, heading, uh, right foot, left foot, every possible way. And I feel very comfortable with that. And that's why I keep uh, training on my, on my, on my finishings. And your, your combination play, watching a lot of times you would come back to the ball, which is something that the team did try to do last year, and then put it into space for the wingers trying on to. Was that something you learned at Celtic? Is that something you've always had? Uh, no, I can tell that I, I've learned uh, a lot from Celtic. 
it was a totally different uh, style. Like, okay, Vevevevelna scored some goals, but I didn't have this uh, combination with my teammates. I was waiting for the ball, they keep crossing for me, and I was very good on one-touch finishing. Uh, I kept that on Celtic too. I, have, I was good with the one-touch one -touch finishing, but I also improved my combination play style. Uh, my combination style of play and uh, trying also to create for another player and not to be also the finisher. And it's something that I enjoy. Okay. Why soccer? I'll break up soon. Why <laughs> soccer or, yeah. or not football? Yeah. Why, no, no, just, why soccer instead of basketball? Or, no, or, uh, or uh, always, always, always my family was uh, only in football uh, interested okay. and uh, I, I as they told me, since I was one year old, that I couldn't even go to sleep without hugging a ball. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was so uh, focused on football and I uh, didn't like any other sport. But while I was growing up and uh, I was exploring other sports also, I liked very much. Well, w when we have the um, summer breaks, I play a lot of basketball with my friends. Mm. And uh, now I think I will be addicted to paddle. You know paddle? Mm. This is popular here also or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a new sport that uh, it's kind of uh, like tennis, but it's not a tennis. Yeah, we exactly. call it uh, pickleball. Pickleball, okay. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, no, I'm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's something that if you if you try to you know on the on the breaks that uh, you play some other sports, it may refresh your mind. So Patrick, how do you think Yergos is on the on the pickleball court? Wiffle ball court? He's definitely pickleball better than me. Uh, yeah. I've never have you ever played pickleball? I've never played it. Maybe I should. I refuse. Maybe I'm, I'm against the concept. <laughs> you were like, yeah, so what a terrible name for that sport. I guess they call it something else over there that's probably a lot more like acceptable. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Paddles, and that made more sense. You're yeah. just, you're just Pickleball definitely ball sounds paddles. more like something that my parents would play, which they And they probably do. do. They do. Oh yeah, they yeah, do. They do. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, good to talk to him for a minute. I, I think everyone's gonna really like your ghost. How much would like if they, my parents show up to the pickleball court and Yako's uh, there, just like dominating <laughs> these like senior citizens? Like, <laughs> I feel like it's it's got with be all those tattoos and just like kind of jacked <laughs> right. and like six one. It's like yeah, insulting them after he like spikes it. <laughs> uh, I'd be frightened for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, people are gonna really like him. People are gonna really gravitate towards him. I think. And, yeah. Especially when he starts scoring goals, like he said. Like something he said, that something that he said there, though, I thought caught my eye, and I haven't even put this out there, so I don't know if people know this yet. People who are listening to this might be the first to know. Um, there were other teams interested in him. Um, I think he mentioned in the interview two from Italy, uh, which weren't really being mm -hmm. mentioned. It was pretty much in the reporting. There was basically the one Japanese team, Urawa Red Diamonds. So. Um, he was, I mean, he was a sought after player from what he was doing at Celtic and obviously before at uh, Venlo. So um, it's not like Atlanta United just got a nobody. Exactly. Exactly. It should work. It should work, especially with a couple of new pieces that we'll talk about in a second. Before we talk the new pieces, let's talk about who has left our lives at Atlanta United. Uh, this is our in memoriam segment. I, I should put like some of the, the cheesy background music, <laughs> the music. in the yeah, background. Yeah. Uh, no longer with us, goalkeepers uh, pair them together. Raul Godinho and Rocco's Rios, Rocco Rios Novo. One last time, I'm gonna mess it up. <laughs> right, Raul Godinho, yeah. one, Rocco Rios one parting Novo. gift from Rocco uh -huh. Rios Novo is to <laughs> have to say his name one more time because it's so hard. Uh, look, they weren't good. They weren't good. I'm not we, saying we, 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 be a we wanted them year. to be good so bad. We wanted yeah, so bad good. for them to be good, but they just weren't. They just weren't. They just were not. Uh, Ronaldo Cisneros and Dom Dwyer both gone. As well, Cisneros' loan 
expired. Uh, Dom Dwyer was waived. I, I've seen a lot of questions about that. My kind of understanding from afar is that that's a relatively mutual move, I think. Uh, some folks are very confused as to why Atlanta United would do that. Atlanta United did it, yeah, but again, I, I think there were some mutual things happening there that made uh, moving on appealing to, to both parties, for sure. Uh, overall, you lose two solid backup strikers, but that's just what they are. They're backup strikers. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. That's just it. Yeah. And and with a player who like like Dom who, you know, if he wants to move on, it's really hard as a team to be like, "No, you're going to stay here and play." Like it, it like you're probably not <laughs> going to get good production out of him. He's going to be unhappy. He's probably going to, you know, put on weight you don't want cuz he's unmotivated. Like so there's not really like especially when you're dealing with a player that's that low on the on the wage scale, it's best to just kind of let some of these guys let some of these guys go. Yeah, let's move on to a player who is higher up the wage scale. And I think the rest of these guys all kind of will be, actually, as I'm looking at it. Marcelino Marino moves on to Cortiba down in Brazil. Uh, that is a one-year loan. This departure happens so quietly. I feel like, I actually, for a while, I didn't well, even realize it had officially happened. Well, it, it was quiet when it happened, for sure. He kind of just showed up in, like, some really grainy, like, photos from, like, <laughs> yeah. the training ground that looked like they'd been taken on a Nokia. Yeah. You know, and, and Cortiba was, like, signing. Yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> that's maybe why it went underground. Um, I should have paid attention to my DMs more and paid attention to the guy with the anime profile right. that was saying, hey, I'm hearing Marceline and Moreno to Coratiba. I'm like, I don't know if you're telling the truth, but yeah. who in the world would make up that particular combination of words if it wasn't true? Uh, they ended up being right. Pay attention to the anime DMs. Mm-hmm. And, and, on Twitter, and, I, and I guess Atlanta uh, and I didn't have a large incentive to like blast it out there and like, you know, glorious fashion like we have loaned marcelino moreno <laughs> exactly yeah i mean to dive into some cap stuff real twi- real quick before we talk about the on-field stuff oh, i'm scared the cap stuff essentially is that cortiba is covering all of marcelino moreno's salary okay but not covering all of his budget charge right so you're what would the other budget charge, charge come from is your salary plus your transfer fee okay. divided over the course of your contract, right? Okay. You have a five-year contract, $5 million transfer fee. Uh, you add a million dollars to your cap charge every year. Does that make sense to everybody? It should make some sense on some level. That transfer fee, the acquisition cost is what's not being covered right now. So that's still counting against Atlanta United's cap okay. right now. The only way that changes, and it might change, and it might change, Garth Lagway seemed to be relatively confident that a player out on loan uh, might be bought at some point this summer, and that would free up a lot of space. Um, if Cordoba buys him outright, then it's just it's just done. You know, mm-hmm. but all that cap charge, all of his space is, is taken off. Um, so we'll see. It's kind of odd if that wasn't the plan because you really weren't clearing that much if if it doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but Marcy just had no fit yeah. in this team anymore. And again, that's the resources from from you know ownership where if they can basically accept a. a transfer fee where they're going to take a massive loss if it helps the team on the field which it would then that's probably something that they'll be willing to do because at the end of the day you know making transfer profits really is not that much of a priority for mls clubs it's all about just making sure that you're um being able to devote as much money onto your current roster as possible so yeah i could definitely see that happening although do you think he was referring to barco potentially or was that Already, that is already official. That was already official. Say that, not, well, not technically official. We've been told 
by official sources <laughs> that Ezekiel Barco is officially, unofficially off the books, player. off the books for Atlanta United. You don't have to worry about that uh, coming back. He, he activated uh, certain triggers, performance triggers, whether that was like games played. It was probably like minutes or games played or mm-hmm. something like that. He's officially with River Plate, not on Atlanta United's books for this year. You don't got to worry about it. Yep. Right. So uh, those triggers will not be activated this summer for Marcy. From my understanding, don't expect any triggers to be activated where like Cordiba plays in like five games, goes, well, shit, now we got to buy him. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. This would just be an outright buy just because they wanted to, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that. Uh, Marcy never really fit as good as he was at times, as weirdly productive as he was. Yeah. Never really fit. Never really made the folks around him better. I think it's a smart move. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. He was a, yep. Cool. Yep. Square peg and uh, round hole. Emerson Hyman gone. Weird one. Uh, Emerson, this one was right. So weird. He just uh, was that mutual parting. Just like a, he just left his contract on the table. Yep. And apparently there's been mutual photos of him playing with LAFC. Has that? Yeah. Has anything happened there? with LAFC? Nothing's happened officially yet, hmm. though. And they could use depth at midfield. I just don't know if he is that depth right now. Especially considering he just never stayed healthy. Yeah. Just never did. He he played such limited minutes for Atlanta United in his time here and. Once he returned from his ACL tear, it was kind of like, okay, well, let's see what Emerson can do and see if he can become a part of this team and, and be a part of another midfield that really, really needed him to, to produce last year. And then he got a thigh injury, and we literally never saw him again. The yeah. one time I saw him again after that was when he was driving away from the training ground during a training <laughs> session. I was like, what is happening? Sad. Yeah. Um, and that thigh injury was out. only supposed to be like a short term thing, like mm-hmm. weeks or maybe a month or something. And then it went another month and another month. And then he was just out for the rest of the year. Nobody ever saw him again. So hardly played at all last year. It's going to be, I, I wish the best for him, but th- again, that's why I'm just confused why he would just leave that money that he had coming to him on the table. Yeah. Um, considering it doesn't seem like there's something lined up for him ready to go, but best of luck to him. I always thought he was. Yourself, I always thought he was. I guess I always thought he was one of the better players for this team. In admittedly a bad team, um, like especially in the Gabriel Heinze season, I thought that you know he relied on Heinemann pretty much every game, and I thought he played well until he got hurt. So sad situation for him. Yeah, like I said, you bet you bet on yourself a little bit. You get told you're not going to play most likely, uh, but you can take this nice. Contract termination. Go try elsewhere if you want to. And I guess you said, okay, you know what? We'll give it a shot. My favorite Emerson Hyman moment ever will be, I think it was the year, it was the game, it was the last game played before the league took a break for COVID. Uh, actually, was it? It was some game where he got the 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 man of the match. And for a while, they you know, every the man of the match would get this like elaborate uh, electric guitar, you know? <laughs> and it was like a really cool trophy, like, like too cool, probably like too too big of a of a prize for they had the to stop occasion. doing it because it was <laughs> right. too expensive. Probably. Yeah, it was yeah. too expensive, of course. So Emerson, I think, was like the first one to win Man of the Match after the the they stopped doing the guitar thing, and he he just he got this little like bronze boot, <laughs> and he was like, and we were just kind of joking with him as locker room. It was like, what the hell? You that's all you got? And he's like, what the hell, man? Like <laughs> it was kind of funny. So. Yeah. Little moment well, there. I, mean, I, I hope he got to put it with his other like trophies from YMCA ball. You know? <laughs> That's kind of what it looked like. It totally looked like a something you would buy at the trophy shop, like five dollars. <clears throat> so, but right there, Emerson is gone. Emerson made about six hundred seventy-five k last year uh, to to not contribute. So that that's pretty huge to clear his contract off the books. Uh, also off the books, center back 
Alan Franco. Joe, we've mentioned this a bunch. Second half Alan Franco, relatively solid. First and second half Alan Franco, 99th percentile ball progressor, ball player as a center back. Uh, First and second half Alan Franco for the most part, really liable to turn off and make some really terrible decisions every 10 seconds. Mm Mm-hmm. And terrible in the air. At any point. Yeah. Yep. Terrible in aerial duels. Like, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that he was really bad at something that you need your center back to be really good at. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, first and foremost, you need him to be able to do certain things. And those were the weaknesses of Alan Franco's game. Then there are these other things in terms of the ball progression and things where it's really, really nice and beneficial to have a center back who can do those things. And Alan Franco was very good at those things. But when you aren't as good as the things that are of a higher priority it kind of creates a problem for yourself and the team but hopefully well yeah yeah like like you said there's an order to things and and he was better at all the stuff on the back end of the list and not the top end of the list can't have it can't have it we'll talk more about his replacement in a little bit but elena a couple of changes at center back george campbell is on his way or already at I had forgotten CF about Montreal, right? Yeah. Uh, a kind of really impressive trade, uh, all considered for a player that really didn't produce all that much. And, you know, is young, he's a homegrown. He wasn't counting anything against your cap, but still, he had some flaws. Uh, probably going to be a starter in Montreal, it seems like, hmm. but Atlanta gets back at least 600K uh, guaranteed in GAM, up to 900K in GAM. And, Clears the way for for Noah Cobb, who we'll talk about in a moment. But an interesting trade, uh, nonetheless, to to get George Campbell off the books. We were talking earlier about you know it's it's not so much a priority in MLS to like you know um, bring in transfer fees for players, big transfer fees and things like that. These are actually the more important kinds of transfers to do, which mm-hmm. is to add the Garber bucks, the allocation money off of these players, these homegrown players who you develop yourself. You didn't allocate any resources any of the garber bucks towards acquiring them you just brought them up and then you're able to basically turn them into money that you can go spend on you know a marsadich or a midfielder that you need or something like that somebody who's going to bring value uh, in a needed spot so um and or i mean best best world of all is that you know you get like a miles robinson out of it and you get like a really high highly productive player who just plays for you um but these are the really important deals to do not so much you know making five million dollars on a player like marcelino marino yeah exactly i mean think about it this way i mean you basically increase your salary cap by 600k exactly you know that, that's huge that's huge and you know uh, i think people understandably see a lot of potential in george campbell but there were also a lot of mistakes last year and a lot of moments where he just didn't look up for it so i'm interested to see how he does yeah in montreal for sure maybe that comes back to bite atlanta but it's tough to see that path happening it's re- now it's really tough for players like george where when you come up you got to be good you got to be ready to to play at the level and there's you know so many players get lost in this kind of tweener land where you're a really good usl player or mls next pro player but you're just not quite good enough to be a you know a a starting level at mls and that's a you know hopefully he can clear that hurdle for uh for montreal and every Atlanta united fan should be rooting for him to do so not just because of you know we all want the best for him personally but you know atlanta united would make some more money out of it if presumably if he plays well so very true very true uh, one more departure to get to winger Edwin Mascara. We Who? hardly knew you. Uh, <laughs> the U22 signing came in late last year. Was supposed to provide some help on the wing and looked 
pretty fast at the very least. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's some good uh, analysis. Yeah. So, thanks. I <laughs> uh, didn't produce anything. I don't think he may have had an assist. Anyway, uh, he he's been loaned out to defense e Justicia. I'm sorry. What? I mean, this is just the weirdest signing ever. This just... is real dumb, isn't it? Let's explain. <laughs> I you feel bad for have... you. You're like trying to do the expository on like this signing that none of us really know what the hell was going on with this. <laughs> um, it was weird when it happened. Everyone kind of said, okay, that's not really a need right now. Um, it became even more uh, futile of a signing when Eric Lopez came back on, <laughs> from his loan. <laughs> And is technically on the team, but isn't. Look, let's start here. You can have three U22 players on your team in most cases. I'm not going to explain what the <laughs> other cases are right now. Right now, Atlanta United can have three U22 players on their team. Those are beneficial. They only count 200K against the, the cap, against the, the budget, right? Uh, but you can pay them more, right? They're valuable. They're valuable pieces. They're also young pieces. There's kind of high variance in whether or not you hit on those. You can only have three. Mascara was one of those. Eric Lopez was another one of those. Santiago Sosa and Franco Barra also those. You're going to keep Sosa and Barra. Mm-hmm. Although you could have tried to get rid of Franco <laughs> Barra. Um, and you can try to move Eric Lopez. They did try to move Eric Lopez. I know they at least offered him to one MLS team for sure. I'm sure they offered him to about every <laughs> other MLS team <laughs> as well. Just to, just to see if they were interested. Uh, no one took him up on it. No one loaned Eric Lopez out. You're left in kind of a conundrum where you have to get rid of one of your U22s. So Mascara, a little more palatable to folks. Probably because he's been better over the course of his career. And they were able to move him along. Eric Lopez essentially runs off air. Edwin Mascara and Atlanta gets down to three U22 spots, even though one of them has yet to be involved in a training session. Yeah. Yeah. One of the U22s is probably going to be playing more minutes for Atlanta United 2 this year than uh, than Atlanta United. I mean, he went on loan to Banfield last year and he only made 15 appearances, only four starts. Like, it wasn't even a a productive loan spell for him. He only Mm -hmm. played 400 minutes there, which is, you know. He played 868 minutes for Atlanta United in 2021 when Gabriel Anze was here. So just a big yikes going on right here. Hopefully <laughs> they'll be able to get him off the books at some point this season. These, maybe are, the, in the summer. these are the kind of things you would really expect to not happen under Garth Block away from here on out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to more positive things. And we can even move on to a more positive winger. And, maybe my favorite signing of the off season, mainly because I kind of suggested it a bunch. And then one day I looked up and Tom was reporting that, Oh yeah, they're, they're going after him. Uh, Derek Etienne jr. It is Etienne, not Etienne. Please, please get it correctly. Derek Etienne jr. Comes from Columbus after a career year, nine goals, six assists. He's 26 years old. He made about 175 K last year. Um, don't ask me how much you can pay a free agent because there are certain like tiers to it. So if it, like think of it as tax brackets, if you're in a certain bracket, you can increase what you make on your next contract as a free agent by a certain percentage. Hmm. Um, whatever it was, uh, Etienne probably isn't counting much of anything against your cap. Even if he did get a big uh, bump relative to what he made last year. Like even if imagine, imagine if they straight up doubled it, which I'm not even sure they can do. Mm-hmm. You're still talking about 350 K. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. it's a free, because yeah. it's a free agent. 
that's huge. That's great value for a player that's coming off a career year. And Joe Patrick, he moves off the ball. God dang it. They mm-hmm. haven't had a winger that moves off the ball since uh, Tito Vialba. Yeah. And, you know, you say he comes from Columbus, but he played for New York Rebels before that. And mm-hmm. that, to me, just like his experience in that system is to me one of the things that makes me most excited to see what he can do in Atlanta because that is a system that is all about moving off the ball, whether you're in a defensive block or whether offensively, you're just always trying to move to disrupt because they're not, you know, just traditionally, like they're not full of like technical players, so to speak. And so um, that's exactly what Atlanta United needs. Atlanta United for years and years has had too many technical players to be perfectly honest too many players who just like want the ball delivered how many times do you see an LA and I player like pointing at their feet like like give me the ball <laughs> give me the ball like at my feet because they want to do something they don't want to run into that open space uh, I forget what Frank DePore used to always call this he was like uh basically like referring to like an unselfish run but uh he would say like running run beyond or like running behind or something something like that but that's the th- kind of thing that Derek Etienne is going to do and so we talked about with Yorgos Yakamakis just like the disorganization he can cause opponents just in the way he plays. And I think that Derek Etienne's also going to, if he's not causing disorganization, he can be exploiting the disorganization that somebody else has caused and be on the receiving end of balls in behind. So um, I think it's a really exciting signing. And uh, the, yeah, the and uh, just as a, a example of the kind of shrewd signing that can be made in this league that you have to make if you want to end up being, you know, a top team in MLS. We saw Atlanta United make these kinds of signings, you know, in the early days, just like nice, solid signing who's going to fill a clear need for you with regards to the players that you have on the field. And so, yeah, really exciting. Yeah, full credit to the folks uh, that were around before Garth because this mm-hmm. was on them. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're the ones that made this happen. Yep. They set it all up. I I do kind of wonder if Garth eventually signed off on this. I'm trying to think of the timeline, but clearly it happened. I don't think he, it was such an yeah, obvious I think move. this one happened in like October, I want to say. It was quick, for sure. For sure. So full credit to, to them uh, for getting this done. I think you're right. Yeah, it would have been before Garth came on. Um, it just made so much sense. There was a reason I kept saying like, hey, what if they just did this? I didn't think they were going to do it because other teams were going to be interested in that team. Eh, actually, he was, well. he was signed November 30th. That was, that was the day uh-huh. they put out the press. The press release ah, well look at that then look at that maybe garth did sign regardless off this, again, whatever so obvious that he probably just went oh yeah duh mm-hmm. checked it off <laughs> easy 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 uh really really good signing good also just a really good personality he's funny he's like energetic elena has been missing that i think in the locker room and just kind of with us and the media mm-hmm. people are going to really gravitate towards Derek. Mm-hmm. i think it'll be really good um and, and like you mentioned joe we're going to talk about this a ton throughout this year, but it fits with what Almada and Eruji are going to offer, right? They're going to offer that on-ball technical ability. They're going to make the the kind of movements into space where they can play uh, the final ball uh, to the guys moving off the ball, and it, it's going to make everything better. It's going to make everything better. Uh, the thing I've been loving to do to illustrate what Etienne brings, he was 15th last year in MLS in what – Second Spectrum, the tracking service that tracks where players are, calls uh, runs attacking the back line, right? So think about off-ball runs that alter the back line in some way. 15th in the league, uh, Eruju was 154th, right? Uh, You can kind of see the difference in profile there. And it should fit. It should fit. Yeah. All right. 
Speaking of fits, uh, center back Luis Abram should fit in Alan Franco's spot that's now vacant. Uh, he's left-footed. He has been on Atlanta's radar for a while. They were pretty interested in him when he was at Vela's and when Gabby came in, you know, and uh, that didn't work out. That didn't work out. He obviously eventually opted for Alan Franco, but uh, Abra moved on to Granada in Spain and then loaned to Cruz Azul and then time ended with Granada and Granada was kind of put into a tough spot where they really just kind of had to get rid of him. And Atlanta and I had said, you know what? We'll go ahead and do that. We'll do that for you right now. Paid 300K to bring him in reportedly. And that's essentially a free transfer for a guy that should, in theory, help study your back line in a major way he's been described as cerebral multiple times already. Yeah, and this is exactly the kind of value you want to allocate for this position, and you hope that it pays off. So, you know, a cheap signing, um, I've been referring to it as like, you want the Kirkland signature center backs to build Mm -hmm. an MLS team. You want those center backs who are going to, you know, you don't need them to be super flashy. You just need somebody who's going to do the job. Again, we talked about it, kind of the anti um, Alan Franco, where you just get the center back who's going to be able to do the things that you need to, you know, try to keep goals out of the back of the net and you don't allocate that many resources to them so that you can put those resources towards other areas of the field. Now, I feel like this year we're not going to see that second part of it as much because, you know, there you got, for example, Marcelino Moreno's like, you know, million dollars or so of kind of dead cat money. Um, but, you know, in the future, you will be able to see Atlanta United really capitalize on the fact that you're not having a near DP level player like Alan Franco was, you know, as your center back and they'll be much better off for it. Yeah. They nearly got that DP level player. They were chasing after Alex Collins who's a Mm -hmm. free agent from NYCFC. And that would have made a lot of sense. I don't think anyone would have knocked them for doing that. But at the same time, when you can kind of your fallback plan can be someone who can maybe produce it at still a really solid level, but for way cheaper, it's pretty good business. It's pretty good business in the end. Hopefully he fits in well. I uh, met him yesterday. was super nice. Uh, spoke English very well. Oh, really? So okay. He just learned nice. it in school, which was super impressive. He's never played in an English-speaking country. So nice. He's just smarter than us, which is cool. Oh, um, and one, one, one important thing to yeah. mention about him is he's left-footed, which is uh, actually really important for a center back. Like, honestly, I think that more people should think of center backs as, like, a left center back and a right center back because it's just... just very similar to like playing on the left wing or the right wing. They're both wingers, but it, you know, you just get more comfortable with certain passing angles that you typically have. And especially as a center back, you have kind of very structured passing angles that you have playing to your fullback or to your central defensive midfielder, or to your goalkeeper, those kinds of things. And I didn't actually know this until Carlos Bocanegra said it first left footed center back that Atlanta United has ever had. So um, hopefully he can stay healthy and he can just lock down that position because miles Robinson has been the one who's done a lot of that throughout his career, even though he's right footed, and it's just a little bit more difficult to be a right footed dominant player playing on that left side as a center back. For sure, for sure. And if he can, in theory, this could pair up really nicely with Miles, or Miles is kind of allowed to to venture forward and do the things that his physical skill set allow him to do and, and disrupt play with Abram reading the game in behind and, and kind of picking up um, where Miles is kind of vacated. You know, it, it could work really nicely. It could work in a, a Parkhurstian mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. if you will. If you will, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, some question marks there. For sure, and along the back line as a whole. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Uh, we mentioned that 
Raul Godinho and Rocco Rios Nova are gone. They've been replaced. And the disaster scenario from last year seems to be of somewhat averted, potentially anyway. Quentin Westberg and Claymont Diop have come in. These guys are MLS veterans. They've been around for a while. You may have heard their name before. Westberg got a pretty decent stint as the starter in Toronto. Uh, They've put up some really solid numbers in the recent past. Last year did not go well for either of them, but that's how you pick up some cheap keepers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I know. Uh, I remember Westberg played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium um, mm -hmm. for Toronto last year at some point. So essentially what they've done there is they know Brad Gazan is coming off an Achilles tear. They know there are question marks there and they know that last year they were derailed by bad goalkeeping to the extent that it probably kept them out of the playoffs. All considered this should be the contingency plan. This should work as a contingency plan and things should not get quite so bad this year in theory. <laughs> That's all you really know <laughs> right. about them. Right. Hopefully Gazan is fine. We never have to really worry about either one of them, uh, but they're both Hopefully. good guys apparently and good locker room guys to have around as well. So that's good to have as well. That's everyone new except for, I don't have it on this list yet because it just happened yesterday. uh, Miguel Barry. Let's talk real quick about Miguel Barry. Uh, He is the quote unquote third signing that we were told about at the beginning of the off season. Gonzalo Pineda said, we're going to make three signings. Uh, Miguel Barry is the final one. I thought that third signing might be a midfielder. I think they're going to hold off on that. Uh, We might see that in the summer. If some cap space and budget space is opened up, Garth seemed really optimistic they would have that flexibility yesterday. Uh, Barry, senior minimum, not counting against your budget, not counting against the cap, is a guy who really struggled in D.C. last year, yeah. but who didn't? Like, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he did not score last year, but he had a 2021 in Columbus that – was pretty astounding yeah, to the point decent. where he ran uh, Jesse Zardes out of Columbus, essentially. They traded. Wow. They traded Zardes. And yeah, they said, true. you know what, we'll go with Barry for a little bit. Uh, it didn't quite work out for him as a starter. Uh, and of course, Cucho Hernandez comes in. Columbus doesn't really need him anymore. I'll trade him to see whatever. Um, that 2021 year, he scores, I think, eight times. Uh, but it wasn't a fluke. It's not like he was just banging goals in off like bodies laying on the ground or something like that. He was in the 97th percentile among strikers for XG per 90. Like he was finding legitimate chances. And so if you can get a guy like that in as your backup striker, you know, a, a position of need for Atlanta United who has been starting the chop Cholin at, at striker this year <laughs> during preseason. Um, that's a really good move. That's yeah. a solid move. You essentially get him for free. Um, yeah. That just, Solid. Yeah, makes sense. I've seen a lot of fans kind of bagging on this uh, on this signing because obviously he hasn't scored a goal in a long time. Um, I don't think he scored at all last year for DC United. I think he, he did score last season, but it was before he got traded, so it was for Columbus. But um, listen, Dom Dwyer didn't score, hadn't scored in forever either <laughs> before he came <laughs> to Atlanta, and he caught fire. So I think that honestly, especially with a striker, sometimes you just get a change of scenery, all that you kind of get in a different flow, a different rhythm and you can, you know, start making something happen. So, um, I think it's fine signing. Yeah. He's a big body. Uh, oh, is he? Okay. He's able to come in and, that's good. and help out with that as well. In that regard, the Atlanta got a lot of big bodies at striker at this point, pretty much all target guys, uh, to some extent, which is interesting to see. And, you know, for a team that played a ton of crosses last year, makes some sense, makes some sense. Joe Patrick, real quick, let's take a quick look at this team's preferred, 
best 11 and i'll be honest like the, the preferred 11 for this team is among the best in the league like straight up high praise. there is two particular holes that we can talk about real quick <laughs> but um <laughs> striker yakamakis we talked about him i have high expectations eruju I have high expectations for him this so year as well. I. Everyone else has. Gonzalo Pineda said that his attitude has been uh, kind of refreshed and renewed this offseason. Uh, they like this version of Louise, I think is what he said. Um, and we should see Louise get into better positions, all considered, because of all the things we said about Yakimakis and Derek Etienne Jr. Um, Almada is going to thrive, I think, with all those guys moving around him. Um, then you get to central midfield. Uh, Santiago Sosa will play eventually once he returns from a two-game suspension for being a knucklehead. Um, and then you have, well, then you have Marseidic <laughs> yeah. and Franco Ibarra and Mateo Sassetu. And uh, if there is a weak link in the chain, it is right here. A Marseidic has gone from a player who was like an emergency midseason trade because you had to fill a hole and to his credit, did a very admirable job filling that hole to the point where mm-hmm. he has elevated himself now to being a starter. But still, it I think it's kind of damning on some of the other signings that have been made that a Marseille is now probably in your best eleven as as you know, assuming that he's healthy, um, and not some of these other players like Mateus Rosetto or Franco Barra, but especially Rosetto. I mean, that's that's the big one where you that signing should be performing a lot better than he is. And in general, I think this midfield is going to be this team's big weakness this year. And, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine and he was kind of, you know, he's a casual fan and was kind of irritated by the, what he referred to as, you know, like the defensive shortcomings in the game, in the AmFam Cup um, that was recently played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But what I was trying to explain to him is that the defense in that game was really hung out to dry. It was it was Noah Cobb and Luis uh, Juanjo Parata playing defense, but or as central defenders. But it was really the the center backs who were leaving them out to dry, just turning the ball over, um, not providing cover in certain areas. I thought the communication was poor. This is going to be the area that I think they've got to get sorted out over time. Again, you alluded to Garth Lagerway wanting to potentially bring in some help in the summer at this position, which I really think they do need. But um, the team signed a contra, uh, an option to bring back Mateus Rosetto <laughs> after last season, they which sure has boggled did, all of our minds. They sure did. I haven't talked to anyone in MLS who went, that was a good idea. It's been kind of reacting in like just abject horror to Atlanta United uh, picking up the option on Mateus Rosetto who made about 600 K last year. Uh, they could have just not done that. Yeah. No one was asking them to pick up that option. They just kind of did that. Yeah. So you still have a set to, you have a Barra who frankly has not looked healthy. He's never been in shape since he's been in Atlanta United. He's yeah, never been at like a appear to have been fixed this year. At first I was like, Oh man, this guy's a tank. Like that's kind of cool. And then he plays yeah, enough yeah. games where you're like, eh, I wish he was less of a tank and more <laughs> of like a good <laughs> get around the pitch a little bit. Um, Real quick, just considering that Sosa is suspended and Sadich is coming off of, uh, some injuries uh, during preseason, you can expect to see Hosetsu and Ibarra. Those two players. On, on Saturday. <laughs> um, it's going to be bad. Do not panic. Yeah. Do not panic. They will not be the starters by the end of the year, if I yeah. had to guess. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, can I say, line, say one more thing about Sosa? Sure, like, yeah. I'm actually pretty excited to see what he looks like in a double pivot because we're going to see this team kind of 
change from what they were last year. Obviously, they were dealing with so many injuries last year. Gonzalo mm-hmm. Pineda had to go to a three at the back, which is not his preferred formation. Um, and I just generally think that over the course of last season, we saw Santiago Sosa's form really improve as he kind of got healthier and got into a better rhythm because he had been dealing with a lot of injury issues. He had had sports hernia surgery over last offseason that kind of held him back from uh, training to begin last season. And so I'm just really excited to see what he can do kind of in a, uh, you know, as this team's premier, you know, holding midfielder. Uh, tremendous passer, uh, limited at times physically and what he can do, but still put up decent defensive numbers last year, started mm-hmm. to put himself in better positions. Um, all of that can improve this year. And he could have a really, really impressive year. He could be primed for for one of those kind of, of breakout seasons, which Elena United has been waiting for from U22 for a while now. For a while now. Uh, left back, Andrew Gutman. We love we love guts. We love Goots, whatever you want to call Probably it. Probably one of the best left uh, backs in the league. Yeah, he, he should firmly cement himself as a top five fullback. Would be shocked if he does not get an international cap as well this year in some, some friendly camp. I would have to think that that happens. Would make a ton of sense. Uh, I think Oprams uh, coming in to be the starter. Mm-hmm. They expect him to be the starter. He's going to start ahead of Juan Aparada, mm-hmm. who's decent depth to have. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have Miles Robinson. Look, Aaron Long came back from Achilles tear last year. He earned himself a max tamper agent contract the next year. You know, uh, you can come back from Achilles tears now. And, and funny enough, Robinson mentioned Aaron Long as kind of a guiding force throughout his recovery. So that's pretty good advice to be getting. I would expect him to look like himself eventually at some point during this year. Yeah. That's kind of my take. Yeah. I'm, I'm skeptical as to how he's going to look immediately. I mean, we're yes. well under a year still at this point, but it does seem like he's going to probably start in this opening game of the season coming up mm-hmm. on Saturday. Um, but I am just kind of withholding like my optimism for him, at least at the early portion of the season. But I do think it's one of those things where when you're coming off with such a long-term injury, you're, you're going to just steadily kind of progress your way into form. And actually along these lines, I'm more concerned with Brad Guzan and like, especially what we've seen from him in this preseason, especially, well, first of all, we should say it's really weird. I feel like I've hardly seen this team play over the course of preseason just because they haven't been visible. They've either played behind closed doors and whatnot. Um, But the few times we have seen Brad Guzan, well, really it was, I think it was the only, the only time I've seen him was that Chattanooga game, one of the earlier preseason games. But um, man, it was, it was pretty clumsy. It was pretty clumsy making just like, embarrassing kind of errors and again a part of that is definitely down to and he admitted it after the game saying that you know i've been out for a long time so there's a lot to do just in terms of like catching up with the speed of the game and kind of judging how much time you have in certain situations and things like that but um hopefully he can limit those mistakes because i i do feel like they were starting to creep into his game a little bit even before the injury kind of the sneaky secret about gazan's time here in mls is that statistically he's been pretty well below average Mm -hmm. in most years Mm -hmm. uh so i mean coming off an achilles tear an achilles tear wow that was that was some rink in georgia pronunciation (laughs) right there um (laughs) jesus um coming off an achilles tear uh you have to have some serious worries about that which is why westberg and and yeah yeah, they got proper depth there at least so exactly uh we didn't get to mention brooks lennon real quick uh lennon's probably gonna get like a ton of assists and He'll probably start every a game. A bunch of us analytics nerds are going to be kind of mad about people getting hyped up about hey, that. If there's one thing you got to give to Brooks Lennon is that he's he's typically available. He's he's yes. available and he he runs at probably more than any player on the field in a given game. He does, so exactly. that's yes. that's worth that's worth a lot actually. 
It is. He signed a new contract. I kind of wonder how much that was actually right. worth. <laughs> right. We'll find out soon. Right. We're gonna uh, we're gonna find out how much contract. that running is worth. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have serious defensive concerns about Lennon. Yeah, he that's fair. Kind of escaped a lot of criticism. Yep. For that last year, because we were so focused on the injuries and the center backs and the goalkeepers and everything like that, but. Uh, with Gutman doing Gutman things getting forward, Lennon doing Lennon things getting forward, uh, there were a lot of moments where Lennon, I think, more than Gutman, didn't necessarily cover themselves in glory defensively. And yeah, it, it was rough at times. S- something that there, there's a phrase I I use um, that where when I'm talking about players because it's hard to like um, encapsulate a, like a, a player's ability to to defend and i just call it like yes. defensive instincts and i feel like it's very evident when you look at brooks lennon versus andrew gutman like andrew gutman's a guy who has very good defensive instincts he just knows when to close down when he can get to a ball and win it when he can't and brooks lennon just does not have those innate instincts in him and it can leave him vulnerable at times and therefore his teammates vulnerable when he doesn't win a challenge that he thinks he can make or you know those kinds of things so just something to watch out for and you're right i'm glad you called that out yeah well in particular i remember the columbus game last year where he just kind of forgot that cucho Mm -hmm. existed and i was like the one person you really probably shouldn't forget existed Mm -hmm. on the back end and (laughs) let them get in for an easy tap and goal uh can't do that can't do that and there were other examples of that as well and you know he contributed in part to a lot of atlanta's issues uh in their own box, which has been a theme throughout this preseason, which we've seen for a while now where Atlanta is just bad in their own box at just getting the ball away (laughs) at attacking the ball at keeping these kind of goofy pinball goals from happening. If that's not improved this year, it could be another frustrating season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Real quick before we kind of get into how we think the season might actually go overall, two players we want to mention real quick. Of course, Caleb Wiley uh, is set to be the backup at left wing and left back. He's looked awesome during preseason. He looks extremely uh, physically gifted for his age and um, his progression. You know, he he just looks really good. He's extremely talented. He's going to go to a bigger club very soon, I think. Yeah. Maybe not a bigger club, but a more European club. It's kind of, it's kind of funny because he's not in our like best 11, but I feel like he is kind of like a starter almost because he's probably going to find his way into more lineups than he doesn't over the course of the season because he's pretty mm-hmm. uh, versatile at either of those left-sided positions. Uh, I do think that he's probably going to start on Saturday because I don't think Derek Etienne is fully fit yet. He has been held out because of a knock that he took at the very end of last season. So I would expect Caleb to probably start these first couple games of the year on, a couple on questions left wing. About Caleb right now as far as that goes, just as a heads up, he was in concussion protocol Oh, he, okay. Uh, from something that happened against Toluca. Uh, so doesn't necessarily mean close. he had a concussion just means that there is that right I don't know I, I can't say for sure I'm not gonna okay say anything without checking double yeah. checking on that but yeah. he, he's close he's close to being able to, to be out of concussion protocol and that's okay. just good to go um the other person I want to mention is Noah Cobb you may not have heard of yet you will uh Cobb has been described to us by Carlos Bocanegra as having future national team written all over him uh he's been Mentored for a while now by Michael Parkhurst, who I got to talk to for a story I did on the striker about him. Everyone speaks extremely, extremely highly of Noah Cobb and his ability to to solve problems as a young player, to be effective as a center back and to adapt and continue to grow as a player at a position where the learning curve is very steep. Because when you make mistakes as a center back, they count. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, you know. it counts on the on the scoreboard. Exactly. Where it doesn't yeah. for a lot of positions. So it takes a certain kind of mentality, and Noah, at every step so far, has shown he has the ability. He's got the physical makeup to do it, and has been good enough on the ball yeah. so far. There, there are some things to work out, of course. He's the fourth center back, though, and he's going to get some chances this year, and we'll see how he grows. I think most people are really excited about him now. Really professional kid, too, which is uh, yes. impressive. It's actually impressive, just like kind of how well put together he is. So, um, yeah, hopeful, hope for the best there and hopefully he's not like thrust into some crazy position like some of the defenders were <laughs> last year because all the injuries all that being said joe patrick let's kind of talk about the potential for this team the ceiling for this team the floor for this team i generally kind of feel like this could go so many ways and like i was talking with someone last night and i was like this could either be a second place team in the conference or this could be 10th place everyone fired kind of team mm-hmm. you know it really could yeah I've, that's actually I feel like they could come either second place or you know it's so funny you hear the phrase like on players like you never want to put a ceiling on them with this team especially after last year it's like I'll never put a floor on this team this team could always be way worse <laughs> than I ever expected <laughs> but um but obviously like you know if that is comes to pass it's almost certainly because there are things outside of what we can foresee that end up happening like all these crazy injuries and things so i generally think that this team is is you know it's like the bell curve is like it's you know the top of that bell curve is going to be right around the the playoff line or whatever the playoff line <laughs> used to be a non-play-in playoff right. spot yeah it's yeah. like a fifth yeah. sixth fourth. yeah i yeah. think that they, the team is kind of staked out like their goal is to play a home playoff game i think garth lagerway said that is at his introductory times, press yeah. conference so what would that be like a top four um finish mm-hmm. so yeah that would be something that would be uh that would yeah i, I would i mean I, I would kind of agree with that as being like a positive very very successful seasons being able to play a home playoff game but you gotta get in the playoffs i think if this team doesn't get in the playoffs yeah gonzalo pineda is probably done um as well as probably some other play some other folks for sure for sure we've compared it a few times to the 2017 team and how it's kind of set up and how the flaws are also readily apparent mm-hmm. in certain places and i think that holds up in a few cases, you know, um, I think this my feeling on this team right now is that this is the team before the team, if that makes sense. Next year is the year where the team should be like, all right, here we go. Let's challenge for trophies. This is the year where everyone kind of gets reinvested in everything and everyone starts to understand how this could look under Garth Lockaway and under Gonzalo Pineda, who I think will be successful this year. And I think will change a lot of hearts and minds on Gonzalo Pineda. I think we'll change a lot of hearts and minds on Luis Araujo, who I think can have an MVP caliber year. And I'll keep saying that, I guess, every year until he leaves. <laughs> but I really feel good it's about true. it this year because of the space he's going to be allowed and because of the uh, complimentary pieces that are going to allow him to capitalize on what seems to be a renewed mindset on where to take shots and when to take shots. They've had multiple discussions with him about where to take shots and when to take shots after a league, almost a league worst average shot selection <laughs> last year um, he was like josh smith just like throwing up the three-pointers oh from exactly <laughs> where it's yeah. like all you gotta do is dunk like just get in the lane look y'all <laughs> give him the josh smith treatment if he shoots at any point from yeah, 30 yards please. on saturday yeah, i need y'all groaning. to scream no yeah. every time <laughs> they did it for josh you can do it for louise too yeah. but i think he's gonna get in better positions i think he's gonna score i think he's gonna create chances um and obviously he's talented enough to the point where 
that can manifest into an MVP caliber year. I think we might see that from him. I think we might see similar numbers from Amada. And I think Etienne and, and uh, Gigi are going to have big years. The attack is going to be there. Yeah, they're going to score goals. The midfield is not going to be there. They're going to score They're going to score way more goals than they have in the past. The key is whether they can actually score more than they concede because they're going to concede quite a bit as well. At least that's yeah, the way it appears right now. when they concede matters. And when they concede, mm-hmm. it's going to matter too. Definitely. Too many times last year they conceded early. We're chasing the game. Too many times last year they got a lead and gave it up extremely quickly. We saw it in the AmFam Cup. Uh, the themes continue. Mm-hmm. So they need to get rid of these themes that are just constant. And they can't just keep saying we're going to work hard and fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if all you can say is that we're going to work hard and fix it, at some point you just have to accept that this is the personnel that isn't going to fix it. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, but if they get it done, we're looking at a team that, again, home playoff spot makes some sense. Mm-hmm. Makes some sense. So, Patrick, anything we want to add before we get out of here? This was a long one. Whew, no, I mean, I think we basically covered the gauntlet here. This was fun. We did it. We did it. And we're back on the main feed uh, every week from here uh, until the end of the season. <laughs> uh, right here. Until December, maybe, <laughs> possibly. Uh, it Love begins. It. it begins. I wrote Love like, it. God, man, I've written like hey. 20,000 words this week. Yeah, you've been on the grind, man. You've been doing a great job. I, you know, Let me just take this time to say this. There's nobody covering Atlanta United better than Sam is at the striker. And so if you have, you know, you can afford, I forget, how much does it cost? Uh, it's like five bucks. If you can afford five bucks a month. Give it to Sam at the striker if you're an Atlanta United fan. You will not you will not find better coverage. I, I mean, I'm not just trying to gas you up here. Like your your coverage really is the best there is on this team. And I'm thankful that you're doing it. It's really a great addition to the media landscape here. So and one other thing I was gonna say is that um and I mentioned this to our uh, patrons, but just going to the stadium for the AmFam Cup game, it was really exciting. It got me energized just mm-hmm. to be back in the building. And I think that, you know, if you've been out of this team, you know, not thinking about them for a while, but you're a season ticket holder and you're going back, um, you're going to have a really good time on Saturday. It's going to be a fun time. Just kind of get back in the bends, around the bends for the tailgate and just enjoy the day and the the, the night of soccer. It's, it's a really fun experience and you just... I feel like you always kind of forget about it in the off season about how kind of good it makes you feel to get back there. And um, that was a reminder for me last a week ago today. And so I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday. It should be interesting. It'll be good to see everybody. <laughs> Will they win? I'm not super convinced. Right. Of that right I'm, not, now, I'm not convinced. Win either. I'm not convinced. Uh, I'm worried about this midfield. Do not panic. Do not panic if they lose this game because yeah. there's, there's more good players coming coming oh um, <laughs> go ahead and check out all the other stuff we do as well joe mentioned the striker and i appreciate the kind of words on that uh joe's got his preview show the preview preview show coming up a couple hours before the game on 92.9 the game yeah flip uh, it on when you're tailgating i'm going to do that i'm going to do that i'm going to listen and check in as i'm coming over to the stadium um what else do we have we also have the patreon patreon.com slash five sharp final we're yeah. doing extra stuff throughout the season biggest thing is you can join the discord the discord's awesome the discord is so a huge bonus yeah it's so <laughs> the discord but real quick i know you've got to go the discord broke a story like at least a couple times this year one of the times is when they saw marsadich in the background of a video that quickly got deleted by <laughs> yeah, United. Yeah. they messaged me i checked with the team and the team went well you got us. Amar Sadich is re-signing. Um, so 
huge things happening in the yeah. Discord. Yeah, uh, check it out. Patreon. But you get extra show every uh, extra show every week at least, and there's mm-hmm. lots of stuff over the course of the season. We'll have some video content there as well, just kind of breaking down some probably some goals that like really piss us off that I can see <laughs> and kind of break down like what goes wrong. So uh, yeah, lots of lots of Lane United content over the course of the season that that you will find uh, over at the Patreon. So that's patreoncom slash final. It'll be fun. Uh, we're, we're recapturing the magic this year. So we're bringing right. the spark back. That's right. I can feel it. Yes. I can feel it. Feeling good. All right. Let's go out of here. Bye, all. for tuning in everyone to this completely arbitrary internet content piece. <laughs>